0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Rabona Podcast. Hello again, and this episode is called The Unscheduled, because we weren't planning to do it. I'm joined again (laughs) by the wonderful Michael and the enigmatic, ever enigmatic, producer Ryan. Michael, welcome back. Hello. Let's get straight into it. The tale of two semi-finals. England, Croatia, first up. Wow,
1: well, that's not a semi-final we uh, had in mind. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's typical of this crazy tournament that we have two teams that um, you know they they had no idea they were going to be at this stage, right? And I uh, I'm rooting for England for obvious reasons, but I think England have enough to do it.
0: Why do you say that? Technically, tactically,
1: yes, yes, and I think they're improving as the tournament goes on. They beat Sweden. It wasn't a great game. It was boring actually, um, but they're getting better. I don't think Croatia are getting better.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: Um, and certain players for England are starting to feel a bit comfortable in Russia. They're um, they're comfortable in their own skin. Harry Maguire is one. Um, who would have thought? Well, who would have thought the whole back three? You know, if you'd said a year ago that we'd have a back three of Stones, Maguire and, uh, and, and Walker. Walker. But isn't this what we always wanted? We
0: always wanted an <laughs> England team that had this innovative approach. You yeah. know, it, it's kind of, a, it's a bit Guardiola actually. You know, you wouldn't, who would have put, like you're saying, who would have put Walker as a centre-back? Mm. Who would have broken out of the four four two paradigm? And Southgate's done all the that. I
1: don't think Walker likes playing there. I think he's on record as saying, I'm doing it for the team. That's the mentality of this team at the moment. They know that um, they know that individually on paper. I mean, look at the Belgian team; they right. they don't compare to to that or France. Um, and even the individuals that Croatia possess, England have to do. They have to. They're pulling together because they know that that's their secret weapon.
0: But isn't that the key to all the really good teams? They sacrifice. Look at Ashley Young; he's a left wing back. He wasn't even a left back a few years ago. He's sacrificed. He's made changes to to survive and adapt. Walker has seen something bigger than himself there. I think that's the great thing about this team. They're embracing discomfort. That's and definitely, difficult.
1: yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, I think um, also a, a nod to Southgate for, for even having the, the guts to go for a three, five, two. I mean, in some ways it's like England couldn't sink any lower at the point when he took over. <laughs> and it was just like, he was the perfect coach for the, for, for you know, the, for a mood of antipathy towards the the national right. team. Um, but he came in with this three-five-two. We've mentioned before that he played in that formation um, when he was with England. But um, the likes of Kieran Trippier, um, Ashley Young, and the fullbacks are so crucial to England. Yes, um, they're used to playing in that formation, and it, it, they, they haven't done it um, so much this season. But I'm thinking two seasons ago when Mauricio Pochettino switched to a three-five-two for a little while. Um, he, the first game he did it was the North London Derby, actually. It ended 1-1. Um, and people thought this is, this is a gamble. Um, but it worked and he stuck with it for a good three, four months. Trippier became really used to that formation. Louis Van, Van Gaal was playing that formation, um, for United. Ashley Young was playing his part in that. And I feel that England's key players, um, are comfortable in this in this system and that's another another reason why we're seeing the best of them I think
0: I think that's right he's looked at the skill sets of the players and found a system that works which is sounds obvious but it's what you have to do and and it, it's something that a lot of managers don't necessarily put into practice I mean look at Sven Goen Eriksson
1: well you could look at m- yeah. pretty much all previous England managers right. for for a long
0: time well Glenn Hoddle actually funny enough you know who was sacked for other reasons but Glenn Hoddle is somebody who I think understood the strengths and weaknesses of England really well. The yeah. thing about 3-5-2 that's wonderful, I think, is that it gives you so much solidity and structure. Mm. It allows you to rest in possession. You can flood the midfield, you can sit deep, you can become a back five, Definitely. or you can push up.
1: And we've seen Harry Kane influence the game by dropping back. Right. Um, and Lingard, I think, has been one of the... Uh, he's been tremendous. He has. He's been great. Um, and he's getting better and better and better. We've seen it for United for a while we're now seeing it for England. And I think he's he's approaching those kind of, okay, superstar would be ridiculous, but he's 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 becoming an an elite player. What strikes me about him, what I said to him the other day,
0: his improvement scares me because this is a player who a year ago was not executing in the final third. He really wasn't. He wasn't finishing very well. His one-touch play wasn't the best. And I think Ria Fernand said it best. I mentioned before, the ability to play on one touch at high speed as a kind of eight in a midfield, is something remarkable. And he has that ability. He has the ability to see the next pass. And I compared him before to Pedro, and I think, you know, I'll stand by that. Pedro was a player who was tremendous as a finisher, but what distinguished him was his ability to see what Leo Messi was going to do first. Mm. You know, if you watch the way that um, Pedro combines with Xavi, if there's a 2-0 win that Barca had over Real, one of the Clasicos in the season when they swept everything before them, mm. and the way that Pedro sees what Xavi's about to do and the same at Champions League final twenty eleven. This understanding of space, which which Lingard and Pedro have, that distinguishes them. And what worries me about him now what worries me. You know, really sort of strikes me. I didn't think that his peak was as far out of sight as it is. Yeah, I, I can't see his peak now.
1: This is it, right? This is it. He's this is what I mean. He's becoming an elite player, right? And. The sky's the limit for him, really. I mean, 2015, there was an under-21 European Championship. Gareth Southgate was the manager of manager of that England team as well. Um, and after that tournament, it wasn't a particularly successful tournament for England, but um, Southgate said Lingard was our best performer. Um, and I think Lingard's always felt comfortable playing under Southgate. Right. Um, and the fact that Mourinho has given him a chance now as well, you know, let's not forget that. Mourinho gets a bit of flack for not playing enough yeah. young players but he has given lingard more than an opportunity and he's grasped it and you know that th- there was always this thing with lingard that he was quite a slow developer um physically he was he was small i mean he's a, he's not the biggest guy but he's he works so hard and he has become stronger as well by the way um and he covers he covers every is a cliche every blade of gla- grass is, is covered by him well he's outstanding
0: on the break but one thing I love about Lingard as well, having watched him quite closely for a while, is his ability to press mm. is going to be so important, especially with a player like Oxlade injured, you know, to have a player like yeah. that
1: that can press. I mean, if you give, um, if you, you know, Rakitic and Modric, let's be honest, they're the two players that make Croatia tick. And Lingard's going to have to put in that work again right, for sure. to stop Raketic from, you know, they've got to stop um, Croatia at source. And that means closing down Rakitic because if you give Rakitic time Modric will get the ball and, and they'll open you up then you're in trouble
0: what I will say actually funny enough is that in the last two games that axis hasn't been as good as expected and I think this is the thing Croatia can be very tired yeah they've played two absolutely. very gruelling matches physically
1: and and mentally as well. two shootouts I yeah. mean
0: Rakitic is I don't know what is in that man's veins but it's, it's obviously not blood um <laughs> it's extraordinary those two you know two shootout victories isn't it and mm. he scored the decisive penalty in each one exactly. it's extraordinary Yeah, but I just think the amount of mileage Croatia put in in this
1: tournament mm. it could catch up with them especially as England rested most of their players for the Belgian game right um, I think um, it's, it's, it's so much is on the line for that game for, for both teams that I think um, I think it could be a, a low scoring game um, it could be a bit of a and a att- nutritional an I think so. Game. The one thing I was
0: thinking about this I was thinking if you look at that England team, they're young, but they've played they've played big matches. Mm. You know, Europa League finals, Champions League, they've played big games. This I know it's a World Cup semi-final, but they're not this is not their first rodeo. Yeah. You know? So I think not, not that I'm skeptical about the kind of young team narrative. I mean, these players are but they they put in the hours, they put mm. in the time and they mm. played in elimination matches where there's a lot of pressure. You may not compare the Europa League, you know, qualifiers to that, but Rashford stepped up big time in some of these games. Lingard has scored in huge games, and that's actually his knack: to score in big matches. So,
1: I don't think they should be unduly worried. Mm. I, I do think that Croatia will create chances in this game, and Jordan Pickford has been uh, a revelation. I mean, we, you know, we watch the Premier League; we know his his capabilities, and he went for a big fee to Everton, but it's already looking like a money well spent. Uh, absolutely so they... yes yes absolutely
0: one thing i will say about pickford um against sweden it's remarkable how much he was tested mm. You know, he was exposed a fair bit i don't want to be critical of england too much but it has to be said tactically a poorer goalkeeper would have conceded yeah and if you can concede that many chances against sweden mm. you may concede more against the croatia in tune and it can go either way with croatia because croatia on one hand they've had these two grueling matches on the flip side there's a sense of invincibility, mm. you know, or sense of destiny because twice Rakitic has bailed out Modric. There's, they do obviously love each other, <laughs> which is beautiful, you know, because Modric is carrying this incredible burden. I like yeah. compared it to, the other day, it's like Batman and Robin, you know, M- Rakitic came along to prominence just at the right time because Modric, so much is expected. And you can see sometimes the pressure mm. does tell on him, you know, how could it not the, the penalty misses or in off the bar against uh, Russia and Rakitic just stepped up beautifully. And I just wonder, I just wonder if Croatia will take that passion and momentum into the semi-final and fly out of the traps.
1: Yeah. Um, I can't believe there's people at Barcelona that are still doubting whether Raketic is, is a good player, but yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a close game. I yes. think it's going to be a tough game for, for, for both. Um, I think, I mean, I'm biased. We're both biased, let's be honest, but I think, I think England w- will win. Um, well, And I think Belgium will win the other game.
0: Well, before we got to Belgium, I want to get back onto Croatia for a moment because I think we have to give them their place in the sun. And sure. if anyone's listening uh, who wants to know more about Croatian football and the context of everything happening there, the patriotism, the nationalism, so on, there's a great guy to follow, a guy called Dario Brenton. Twitter handle Dario Brenton, so at Dario, D-A-R-I-O-B-R-E-N-T-I-N terrific thread uh, yeah. a couple of days ago well worth a follow a fantastic follow yeah but another tweeter who you know will be known to this podcast and the listeners sidlow commented that moderich looks more
1: like cruyff every day <laughs> i mean that's a big shout
0: how do you feel about that
1: i'm a spurs fan let's just get that out there i know his qualities mm. um he's the king of the pre-assist that's why right, i always right. called him um the guy that can spot that killer pass that splits a defense and Leads to the opportunity to score. He's an absolute phenomenal player. I don't want to draw comparisons like that, but I think he's 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 up there with with some of the very best we've seen over the last few decades. What amazes
0: me with Modric is the speed of his ascent because he's someone who actually had a I think a fairly not slow start, but he reached the elite level we expected a Mm. bit later. He never had the foil around him. You know, he went was at Zagreb, obviously Mm -hmm. terrific for Croatia. You know, really sucker punched us in the qualifiers with Eduardo, who was a terrific player, obviously. Mm and the great Eduardo. He was also a De Silva. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> like, like, like all great public figures, he was a De Silva. <laughs> what I love about Modric is that the Madrid team, I think, was his rightful reward because mm. he'd been playing that well for absolute years, but never quite had the surrounding apparatus. So it's great. I mean, I wouldn't compare him to Cruyff because I believe he deserves his own plinth, his own platform among the greats. Yeah. He reminds me more of a kind of, who was the guy at, um, the, the Finnish player, Yari Lippmannen.
1: Oh, what a player. And
0: the reason I mentioned Lippmann is because Littmanen was the emblem of his team. Mm. He wasn't necessarily an intellectual like Cruyff. He wasn't a sort of a thought leader, but he had this emblematic figure, this iconic sense. And you could imagine, I mean, Littmanen played till he was 40-something. Mm. Cruyff could play, no, sorry, Modric. <laughs> <laughs> Freudian slip. Freudian slip no. <laughs> Cruyffian, Cruyffian slip.
1: <sighs> uh, Modric um, could easily play until his... Early 40s. Yeah. At a decent level. Littman and kind of um, stitched together that IX team right. in '95 in a similar way. I think that's a, 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 a noble comparison.
0: And uh, let's get on to
1: the uh, next semi then. Belgium, France. Belgium. Let's let's get into Belgium. What a game. What a game it could be. Right. I hope it's going to live up to uh, expectations. Belgium, I think, is the strongest team in the tournament. Who excites you at Belgium? Who, who are the players that really get it going for you? Kevin De Bruyne.
0: How so? How so? The, the playmaker, the master playmaker himself.
1: <laughs> I do love that the shackles have been taken off him. Um, under Mark Wilmot's Belgium were always this kind of spluttering engine that didn't quite um, fire as we all know they could. And eventually, you know, he he just run out of time. And the fact that he was criticising his players publicly for their defeats after, well, they lost against Italy in the opening game of the last Euros. Um, not the easiest game to start with, but... Wilmots came out and said that Lukaku wasn't doing this and Aldo Vareld was at fault for that goal. I mean, it's not going to win you, friends, in this um, era of the game that we're in. So um, it was always clear that Belgium had to find a coach that was going to embrace their top stars um, and, and get the best out of them. And the system that Martinez has got... The systems, um, the systems. Yeah it's, yeah, it's true. He's he's incredibly flexible coach. He's a cup coach as well. Um, he's... He's a guy that somehow seems to get his teams up for tournament football in a way that he wasn't able to do when he was manager of Everton, for example. Well,
0: it's funny because he's a, he is a cup manager. And was, by
1: the way, I should say Everton in the league. I right. mean, in the cup, they made the, the semi-finals of, of both cup competitions in the season that he was fired.
0: What I love about him, Martinez, and I have to say this when I say love is a strong word, but what I love what he's done is the tactical flexibility and bravery to put Lukaku on the flank against Brazil almost like a Hulk type thing where you've got this technical fast powerful player who can counter lead the counter and end it on the flank to then sort of pen in the fullback and pen in Marcelo who actually has been unstoppable for most of the last you know sort of two three years in that position I mean it's not the first time as a uh, producer Ryan has signaled to me that he's done that um Martinez putting Lukaku up against a fullback who's very progressive so I think a 3-0 one that Everton had over Arsenal at Goodison Park where Lukaku basically penned back an on-rushing And getting him behind Marcelo, I think, was the key to really stopping Brazil building attacks. They did it so well. But it can we also talk about Eden Hazard, because Hazard has just been wonderful. He, again, is playing with, with mm. freedom. And we've now got these three players, Hazard, Lukaku, and De Bruyne all
1: playing at the peaks we expected. Just to go back to Lukaku for a second, it's so easy to, to stick him up front as a number nine and think, okay, right. he's our target man. He's going to feed the balls off to De Bruyne and Hazard. But... And that can be effective. But um, the fact that Martinez is a progressive coach, he's seen that Lukaku can be so dangerous in wide areas. And, um, you know, we saw that against Brazil. We saw that against Japan. Um, And Lukaku's intelligence um, is is something that I would like to see utilised a bit more in the Premier League as well. I would say that Lukaku is a strange player
0: in that he doesn't, do what you immediately expect. He's a big guy. Mm. He's a big guy, but he doesn't necessarily use his physical strength. If you look at backing into goal, he doesn't it's not like Mandzukic actually is more physical mm. than Lukaku. Lukaku also is a very big guy who doesn't score with that much power. Like a lot of his goals are from close range. Mm. But he's also very good at hiding. He he goes he's a strange it's a strange, strange player.
1: And he also knows what Martinez wants as well. And he uh, he said after the the victory over Brazil in the quarter final that um, he's been helping the likes of De Bruyne and Hazard that don't have experience of playing in the Martinez system to understand what he wants. So maybe we see these pictures of Lukaku kind of surrounded by the team yeah. giving a team talk. Um, part of, It's become a ritual now. Yeah. Um, but I do think Lukaku is playing an incredibly influential role on and off the pitch. Uh, can, I, can I get something else in there? Because you've mentioned leadership and I think
0: it's an intangible part of these teams. Yeah. What leadership are you seeing in the Belgium team? Who's, who do you think is putting it together? Apart from Lukaku, who are the kind of people having those, those quiet conversations that are making the difference?
1: You know, this Brazil, t- uh, sorry, this Belgium team have um, threatened to deliver these kind of performances for a long time. And there's quite a lot of experienced individuals in there. You know, Vertonghen, Alder of um, Company. Company. Fellaini you could say too and it's a team it's a team full of captains yes a team ah, full of okay.
0: leaders yeah that's a great great phrase actually a team full of captains i i look around that belgian side i just see people that take responsibility yeah chadley chadley counter-attacking to score the goal against japan the run that he made the stefe, tracking everything yeah the step oh. but to, to track it to track yeah to see the play unfolding like chadley did mm-hmm. to come in at fullback yeah and no, also well, back a maligned position and make a contribution there. Yeah, You know, Fellaini to come in, I won't talk about him too much because, you know, I don't want to sort of get into discussing United fans too much, this, players too much in this podcast. But Fellaini coming in and those two back-to-back games, decisive against Japan and remarkable against Brazil. Yeah. Because this was, you know, Brazil were arguably the best coached team in the tournament.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, in terms of teams that had match control, Brazil had match control, I think, of pretty much every game they played. Until he went out.
1: Well, they run out of ideas against Belgium because they thought they you know, they could just pile forward and their individual talent would would shine and they'd be able to to unlock them. But they underestimate how, how how
0: solid this Belgian team can is. Can I say something
1: slightly controversial?
0: Maybe Tite, as amazing a tournament as he had, he had a great tournament, I think, despite losing. Maybe he put more faith, slightly more faith in Neymar than Neymar's form deserved. Mm. I don't know if that's fair. Well, yeah, Casemiro, I, I know, Casemiro and was injured. Yes,
1: but form because of. Um, a long layoff as well, of course. Right, right, absolutely. Um, and it's a shame we weren't able to see the best of Neymar in this World Cup.
0: <laughs> I do actually wonder if the kind of diving and rolling around was some kind of subconscious reaction to,
1: this isn't going my way mm. and I have to gain some kind of advantage. Well, it's, it's, um, it's difficult to feel sympathy for him though.
0: The sad thing about Neymar is you have a player who is, you know, he's a photogenic dude. He's funny. He's a joker. He's got unbelievable skill. He has, he's, he's so marketable. He's so, he should be the most, lo- he should be as lovable as, you know, any one of those big players. And, and he's strangely unlovable. Mm. And he's made that bed for himself. And I, as difficult as it is to feel sad for him, I think my kind of reflexive English thing of being sorry for the underdog. And he's weirdly become a bit of an underdog because he's, uh, he screwed it actually. Mm. I think he's really damaged himself. He's become, he became
1: unlovable when he moved to PSG,
0: I think i think this was the beginning of it mm. i think a lot of people respected him for making the move but the ego I mean, there was one thing i saw him do in the french league which really was a bad sign i think there was a player on the ground he went over to help him up and the guy put his hand out and then Neymar just kind of like withdrew his hand at the guy sort of sagged back to the ground yeah. and i saw that and i thought to myself at any level of if you saw that in sunday league people would clear the benches yeah and, you know <laughs> um but one the thing to get back onto belgium they have one of the qualities of all enduring and great teams which is luck yeah. you know the lucky substitute not lucky substitutions against japan but they needed things to go their way and they did
1: mm.
0: the header went their way for the looping header from, was it uh for tongans header yeah went their way but also you know the penalty shout which went through var mm.
1: gabriel jesus they looked at it and didn't give it i think the ball was out of play i think that's why it wasn't given do you know what i think can i be honest with but you? i but i have to say i'm not 100 percent sure about that can i be honest
0: with you <laughs> it looked to me like a clear penalty in isolation yeah but i wonder if all the rolling around made people a bit more skeptical i don't mean on a conscious i don't think they were thinking oh definitely it was, i don't think they were definitely. thinking i don't think they were thinking oh my goodness this is a, it's definitely let's not give a penalty mm. and there was a sense of when you see the penalty In isolation, to me, it's a clear penalty. Mm. But in the context of all the rolling around, I just wonder if Neymar ultimately created some karma. Mm. And the strange thing too is that when Coutinho was called upon to score, I think Neymar did a great piece of play and cut in. The one time Neymar needed someone to bail him out, Coutinho couldn't finish. And it was so, I think, poetic in a way. It was like, maybe you don't deserve to be bailed out because you haven't had a tournament that merits that.
1: Just getting back to the semi-final ahead, Belgium versus France, 23 of the 46 players in those two squads from African descent. Unbelievable. I and mean, it's wild, I mean... What do you, what do you make of that? Music? I think people talk about when is an African
0: team going to win the World Cup. Look, France and Belgium are not African teams, they're European teams, right? No. These people, Europeans, European born with African heritage. Yeah. What it does speak to is, you know, the the footballing brain drain from from Africa. And it's, it's such a powerful metaphor for colonial extraction because that's what's happened here. It's colonial extraction. You know, these players... People can criticize Africa for not winning, but they don't have the infrastructure. They don't have a lot of players that will. The primary teams they play for, the countries they're born in. So it's really wonderful. It's great because you've got primarily West African countries that can watch these games and feel like a bit more attached and invested to it. And it's wonderful for me as well because I love to see, like, you know, I say that as as a dark skinned African man living in Europe and working in Europe. There's a there's a difficulty. There's you know living here in Berlin, working in Europe, continental Europe the level of racism or the blatant nature of it is more extreme here mm. and i do feel that affinity with the players because i'm like for them to have experienced this their entire lives and to emerge as they have and be a credit to the countries i just think is unbelievable so yeah i think it's a really exciting sort of local derby for that reason absolutely after the break we are joined by the legendary the one and only Philippe clare So we're joined by the wonderful Philippe Claire It's a real honour to have him with us, the fantastic football writer who's covering both England and France at this World Cup. Philippe, welcome.
2: Thank you very much and lovely to, to talk to you after all these years. There yes, I say that. a long, long
0: time. Yeah, long time. I've gone grey in the meantime. Um, Philippe, getting, getting straight into it, so France, advanced to semi-final. What have you found most surprising about their performance so far?
2: I don't know if I found anything really surprising. Um or perhaps I mean if I go into details, Please. um I I would say perhaps the way that the full backs have stood up to the test, which I didn't think was a given, it was one of the big areas where we had concerns before the tournament. Right. Because you know, Mendy was was injured, Sidibe Bay um, is is very good going forward but doesn't provide necessarily the defensive cover we needed. And we thought Pavar is really untested and he's right. a centre back. And whereas Hernandez is also very young, and it seems that Deschamps has taken the right, the right um, uh, decision for that. Mm. Very big plus uh, has been Paul Pogba's form formed throughout the tournament. Um, he's always been, he's always had this in constant streak in his performances, be it with club or country. But this right. time, I think he's. Uh, Is really knuckled down. And uh, we've seen... I I don't think we've seen the best of Paul Pogba yet, which is quite encouraging. Mm. But we've seen a very good Paul Pogba over a number of games. And that hadn't been the case beforehand. Right. Um, I I think you would have noticed as well how he's taken the back seat in this World Cup. And people have often told, you know, said, oh, it's all about me, it's all about me. And in this one, he's very much... He's been very happy being in the background. Yes. Um... Being, you know, the, uh, the, the facilitator. Yeah, absolutely. And, and still having moments of, you know, um, some fulgurant moments. I don't think he's had been as absolute top of his game because he hasn't been tested, perhaps. Yes. So there are loads of, of positive points. golo Conte, as we know, is
0: remarkable. the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely remarkable, hasn't he?
2: Indeed, Um we knew what we were. I mean, there are loads of positives. You know, the way that that, that Mbappe has shown against Argentina and the kind of sense of fun he's given to this team, which lacks it, I think. Yes. But
1: well, well, Philip, uh, it's it's Michael here. I wanted to ask you a question about that because you know the I would really want to ask you about the public opinion towards this France yeah. team because you know the the style of play under Deschamps has been efficient. It's been effective. Um, It's got results, but maybe besides the Argentina game, it hasn't always been that entertaining. Would you agree with that?
2: I entirely agree with you, and I think it's always been the case. I think he's now um, uh, managed 81 games uh, at the the head of France, which is more than any other manager uh, before him. Mm. But we've still to identify a Deschamps style, which is not, it's all about winning. But that's very much his culture. You know, he's somebody... Who was uh, shaped by the culture of synod which is um, to start with, which is a culture of um, lovely, slick play, interchange, movement, triangles, and all that. But he, I think he's completely forgotten about that. So, and, and, and when he went to Italy and basically became an Italian player, an Italian manager, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and so and, and very much of the Italian school of it's all about the result. And um, therefore, it means that he's cautious. Uh, you will have noticed, I think, like me. How France hesitates to press high up the pitch, yeah. uh, just to try to avoid to leave space behind, which they will do again against, especially against Belgium, because you don't want to expose yourself to those magnificent counterattacks that we've seen.
1: But but, but how do the French? And, and how Brazil. would you say the French public um, see yeah. that? I mean, are they are they forgiving of that because they see they see results? Uh,
2: I think that they'll, they'll become more and more forgiving. And also, the thing not to be forgotten about is that at the beginning of the tournament, the people who follow it are the people who
1: follow football.
2: As as the team goes deeper in a tournament, the people who start following the team are people who are not into football.
1: Well, we've definitely there seen are, that with England as well.
2: <laughs> exactly, and, and but that's the same in every nation, I would say. But mm-hmm. also, don't forget that France doesn't have the footballing culture of of England, say, for example, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and uh, that. Because of that, it's very much about the boys doing well and winning and um it doesn't really matter how and and um so so the I think public opinion with Deschamps at the moment is still um I mean a, is a mixture of confidence and, and not everybody warms to that. Manager, and not everybody warms to that team, which is crazy when you think you're in the semi finals. Can I, can I just, so,
0: but sorry to be rude and just jump in because we're at the semi finals oh. now and we're talking a lot about entertaining France. But I wonder if there's a bit of revisionism because if you look at 1998, that team wasn't necessarily the most sparkling of teams, if that makes sense. Like they had a lot oh, of yeah. very, they were very stop start in 98. So I kind of wonder, you know, is it maybe sort of social media slightly putting this pressure on France to be mm-hmm. glorious where actually this is how you win World Cups?
2: Perhaps, and I think that the parallel you make is completely right, and I was about to make it myself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's why I get the big box. That's why I get the big box. You do it, <laughs> because if you
2: remember the criticism that Emile Jacquet was receiving in 1998, yeah. Yeah. and uh, it was quite fierce, and 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 France's passage to the final was anything but plain sailing. Brutal. Yeah. It took it. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, it, quite right. Uh, the golden goal. Uh, the uh, Croatia. Uh, Laurent Blanc, yeah, yeah. Croatia uh, with uh, Laurent Blanc being sent off. Uh, the, the penalty uh, shoot out against Italy, where you had the, the so-called senior players, including Deschamps, I think I remember correctly, who were absolutely. Uh, I, I was about to use a very very rude expression, but they were not feeling very confident <laughs> right. on the halfway line and leaving Trezeguet Henri to do yeah, the job for yeah, them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could see many similarities, but Aimé Jacquet, perhaps a difference is that Aimé Jacquet had a, a kind of human dimension to him, a okay, passion right, right. that Deschamps is missing. Deschamps, mm. his, uh, his press conferences are genuinely appalling. Mm. Uh, well, not appalling. They're so boring. I mean, right. it's just, it's just just—it's—it's it's trite. It's lukewarm water. You wonder, he will speak for 20 minutes. You'll wonder, well, what has he said, actually? It's, Is you that know, almost when you a compare, Del Bosque example,
0: thing, though? It's almost a Del Bosque it, thing of trying to sort of keep you at arm's length. Is that what's happening? Yeah.
2: But I mean, it's not exactly Oscar Tabarez or Gareth Southgate.
1: Basically. No,
0: no, no, He's not quoting Balzac, is he? You know?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a bit more difficult to relate to that. But I think, you know, as okay. games have gone on, people have got more and more behind the team. And so there is still a level, a degree of frustration. But I think this degree of frustration is more felt by people, perhaps like you and me, right. uh, who looking at the players that Deschamps has got with him, would expect a far more positive, proactive style of play. Because from time to time, we do see those you know, passages of play with four or five uh, first-time passes, yes. which um, create an overload and then suddenly an acceleration. You think, gosh, this is exciting. This could be a really wonderful team. Mm. Maybe we'll see it in the semi-final. I, I, I wouldn't bet my
0: house. Can I say, Philippe, I always think back. I mean, I'm a bit obsessed with this, but the one thing I do love about Deschamps' formation is the same one he used... The same configuration he used against france in year 2016 as uh, ice sorry yeah in it in the 5-2 win and i love that game so much because that again had all the elements you described this incredibly fast succession of one touch passes space opening up and i guess i'm like you i always pray for the day that comes again but i yeah. just wonder if these games are at such a kind of intensity and there's so little space that we're not going to see that at this stage of the tournament
2: his first his, his priority, not his first priority? That's uh, redundant. Uh, his yes. priority <laughs> yeah. will be not to concede. Yes. That's the way he, he he thinks about things. So therefore, it won't be a high pressing line. Uh, the fact that he's bringing Matuidi back yes. instead of Tolisso is quite a statement of intent. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not. I'm not saying Matuidi is a is a back or anything like that. I think he's very. Uh, is, is somebody who is um, willing to sacrifice himself. Yes. Is mm. probably probably a better footballer than what you see on the pitch because precisely of his will to sacrifice himself.
0: Oh, I love Matuidi. Mm. I think he's wonderful. I think he's essential to this team.
2: Exactly, yeah. but I would prefer Toliso myself. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> and I I love the simplicity of Toliso's passing. I love them. Yes, you know, yes. the, 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 the 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 difficult simple pass. Toliso is a, is a master of that. That's and they what love, they love part, him in yeah. Germany.
0: They love him here in Germany. I have to say, they mm. really do. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And, um, and I, but it's going to be match with you. So we know what to expect. Mm. And also I think Deschamps will be on his guard because he was one, he's going to wonder guys, what are we going to do, see in front of us? Because Martinez will play his cards very close to his chest. Is yes. it going to be a three, four, three, is it going to be a four, three, three, as we saw against Brazil, right. is it going to be something different? Mm. Meunier is not playing, which is a big loss by the way. But, um, who is he going to bring in? Is he going to bring Chadley as a win back as he did against uh, as in England? Or is he going to put Alder on on uh, uh, on the uh on, on in the right channel in the four four two or four three three, sorry? Or is he going to in? and so therefore, because of that, I think Deschaw will be even more cautious than usual. Right he will sure. want to first have an idea of how they're setting up. And this he will discover uh, at, at kickoff because it's not Thierry Ari who is going to tell
0: him. Right. Um, <laughs> well that's another story entirely yeah, yeah. Um,
1: Moussa mentioned the Iceland game there a couple of years ago in, in the Euros and it made me think of Dimitri Payet um, he yes. was such an important player for France then um, how have France moved on in those two years and how have they replaced a player that we thought was so integral to the team back then?
2: I think that there is a replacement which on the bench uh, with Nabil Fekir Um, even if Fekir is perhaps not as much a a white player as Dimitri Payet can be, but he has this element of improvisation, uh, I think is technically superior to Payet, by the way, um, which we have been missing from time to time. I say we um, accept that we as being purely rhetorical here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And um, there was talk about Payet being in 23, but you will remember that he got injured um, with Marseille Mm-hmm. Uh, when so, they were on their way to the um, um, Europa League final, yeah. so there, we 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 do not have really a, rep- a, straight, a replacement for that. If mm-hmm. if there's one thing you could say, but you could say that of quite a few other teams, we do not have a number ten. Right. Uh, but but you can say the same thing about England. Mm-hmm. Even if you could, you know, uh, argue that perhaps Raheem Sterling is a kind of newfangled kind of number ten, right. um, or plays in that kind of space. Um, I, I, uh, More of a second which really is afflated. not like number 10, he's yeah. a number 8 operating mm. from deeper. Um, mm. And you, you carry on and you think, well, where, where are they? There, mm. there aren't any, uh, uh, who is England's Best playmaker—it's Harry Kane yeah. from a withdrawn position. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so it's a nine and a half because it's generally between a nine and a ten. <laughs> but in France, in France, we don't have that. Um, that's not what you would expect of Giroud. So you will rely on on Paul Pogba, of course, with this wonderful long passing mm. and this capacity to to go past players, both you know by dribbling and by also physical presence. But he's not. A typical creator either so we don't have that which means that we can look quite sluggish yes let's say when we receive the ball and we try to build from the back mm. and almost invariably uh, something goes wrong in midfield because we don't have a, i think kante could do that kind of thing because i think Angolo can do anything that he wants as far i'm concerned yeah he's, for me he's been the best player at the world cup since the beginning of the competition and um uh, but and that's also one of my problems with the show i wish i could sue Angolo kante in the kind of role that we started to see him with Chelsea towards the end of the season, where he was going forward a little bit more, right. and and where you know he's a wonderful ball carrier, he, he can ghost past people. He's got he's blessed with acceleration. Yes, he's got a lovely eye for 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 the threaded pass, and he, and he was also is you know so intelligent in his position. He, he can shoot, shoot as well. Everything.
0: He can shoot. Yeah, that's the thing. He's, he and goes, he can shoot.
2: He he's, he can, he's underrated. Can everything. Yeah. So you wish, you wish he could go forward a little bit more, but it's not going to happen because with Matuidi on the on the left hand side is there for um, you know the, for for defensive work as much as anything, left or right hand side. By the way, yeah. uh, Pogba will have more of a free role, but operates doesn't operate really from deep. He's not going to operate in front of the back four. So Conte has to stay there, and I think in a way we limit ourselves by doing that. Yes, um, but you know um, there, there, there are it, it's it's one which I, I I do not know how to call, and I do not know how honestly most. People in France know how to call because we're, to be honest, we're, we're a little bit uh, we're, we're weary of of weary of that Belgian side. Right, we've um, seen what they can do. Yeah, I mean, we've seen what they could do against a, a top top team, probably the best team in the tournament. In, in, in uh, you know, as Brazil was. Does, does,
1: does it concern you then that the the fullbacks um, in that French team are are a little yeah. inexperienced, despite having impressed already?
2: Yes, a little bit. Um, though um, I mean, I think Pavar has been playing well above himself. I mean, I'm 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 really admiring of the of, of this young man who, remember, is is a centre back has played centre back for
0: for for Stuttgart,
2: Stuttgart yeah, for Stuttgart all through the season. Plucked you know, from
1: almost nowhere. Yeah.
0: And, uh, oh, don't, but, don't, don't, let, don't let any Swabians. Sorry, for anyone from the Swabian regionalist <laughs> podcast, I, was not, I do not approve that. I'm not a regionalist. Sorry, sorry. Germans get very uh, touchy about
1: Apologise <laughs> to <laughs> Mario Gomez. But, uh,
2: you've got to remember as well that Pavar is the one uh, on, on whom, who is not made by Di Maria in a, in a game um, in, in a, which leads to one of the Argentinian goals. Uh, yeah. in the end and uh, you know France conceded three goals against Argentina yes. That's an awful lot against a very poor Argentina
0: Can we just have a quick shout actually for Pavard the bravery of getting forward because in the 15 minutes before he scored Di Maria was running riot like you yeah. know literally had just you know, Di Maria he was kind of like a, such, a stra- such a strange player had kind of fallen asleep for the first 40 minutes and really erupted and then you have Pavard coming in and kind of redeeming himself with this incredible strike yeah. which is still my goal of the tournament just because of the context the timing the manner of it all was really wonderful i think uh, we, we're not going to keep you that much longer because we know you are very pushed for time but i want that's to be right. i want to just throw in um a question about Henri because i feel it's unavoidable at this point mm. that's so fascinating how you've got this guy who's like you know this the, the, the spearhead of the golden generation for france who is now the spearhead <laughs> of, of belgium's attacking intensity in many ways and what, what, what's going what how do you see that dynamic isn't that extraordinary
2: it is rather extraordinary, um, and it's creating a lot of debate in France. I would say I was looking at the French press and French blogs and things like that this morning, and uh, all I could see everywhere were pictures of Deschamps and Henri together, and Henri this and Henri that, and people talking on Twitter and and Facebook and and everywhere uh, about about Thierry Henri to an extent which I find strange because right. there's even I, I even heard a commentator uh, asking for Thierry Henri to. Uh, uh, resigned temporarily from his position until so you know until after the game, which is insane. It's like uh, would you ask Jose Pekerman to stand down? You know, if Colombia had played against Argentina, I don't <laughs> right, think he right. would have done that somehow. Um, <laughs> I don't think uh, Ernst Happel would have stood well, you know stood down uh, if 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 the Officers Netherlands had yeah. played against Austria or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. And and um, but it's it's reached that point. But it, I think it says a lot about the very fraught relationship there is between French football and Thierry Henry. Right. It says more about that, I think, than about anything else.
0: What's behind that, He's, not,
2: he's not even the first assistant. He's the second assistant. I mean, it's... the he's there. The but, first it's, assistant.
0: but Philippe, Philippe, come on, let's be... He's there, though. He's in the Belgian... I mean, I'm not going yeah. to be... But what, what's, what's happened there? Because you're someone that's got a good radar, a good inside track on this stuff. That dynamic, you know, you, there's a lot of teams you could have worked for other than Belgium. Why... What has prompted that? What are the dynamics can, are going on
2: there? That's, yeah. I can tell you exactly what happened. Um, first of all, there was a, it's quite complicated because when Thierry is in this position where he has this contract with Sky going until 2020, yeah. right? he lost his coaching position at Arsenal and was looking for ways to carry on his apprenticeship. And he, um, I think he, had talk, he talked to Ralph Franknick. Uh, who obviously is, you know, part of the Red Bull group. Yeah. And when Ranknik was approached to take over the Belgian selection after Mark Wilmot's uh, totally failed at Euro 26, Rangnick said, I would really love to have Thierry Henry as one of my advisors, one of my assistants. Rangnick wasn't kept, uh, and, and wasn't chosen. Uh, but the guys at the Belgian Federation, Thought that would be a great idea if you could get Thierry. And when Roberto Martinez was um, uh, was uh, chosen, uh, he was told, "By the way, would would you take Thierry?" And and Roberto said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." It was not his idea at the beginning, <laughs> but he he thought, "Yes, that would be actually a great thing." He knows my players. He knows many of the. You know, he's got fantastic experience. He's, he's somebody who is a master in the art of analyzing forward play yeah, let's have him. And so he took him on and it was a deal which was done on the yacht of one of the uh, <laughs> Belgian Federations uh, uh, at wow. uh, just after the Super Cup uh, in Monaco. And uh, the deal was done and then Thierry joined as a second assistant. And also because, you know, Belgium would leave him the time to work with Sky. He was not supposed to be there all of the time. He could join them when he could. He wouldn't be paid for. So it was basically a it's great you're here, oh, thank you very much for having me, sort of things. And then afterwards, of course, Terry loves to be on the training ground, he loves to show off on the training ground, Training ground, and <laughs> he still does that. Uh, that is, and then, surprising. you know, he's obviously quite <laughs> close to some of the players, he knows these players for having, actually in some cases, I wouldn't say he's played against them, but hmm. He's he's, he's been close to them for a long time and therefore it grew from there, and nobody thought it was a problem until about 48 hours ago. (laughs) And and, and the thing is that if France had wanted Thierry to to, to be part of the French setup, well, all they had to do was to get in touch with him. It's not that, well, he's difficult to get in touch with because he changes his mobile phone number every three months. But, you know, there are channels through which you can get access to him. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I don't think that him and, and, and Deschamps are, are particularly uh, a bosom friends either. Mm-hmm. Noël Le Gret, the president of the, uh, the, 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 president of the, of the French FA, is not exactly uh, somebody who is uh, his closest friend either. Um, Thierry chose quite a while ago, I wouldn't say to turn his back on France, he would never do such a thing. But to live outside of France, right. be it in, in, in England or, or, or in the United States, Thierry didn't like the way at all that he was supported or not supported after the, the hand of the goal incident against Ireland in 2009. Right. There are lots of things which have happened, which means that the links between the French national team and Thierry are not what they should be for somebody who is a record goal scorer and one of the two greats in the history of our football. It's very sad.
1: And Philip, what will happen if Belgium win? Do you think those that relationship will be even more strained?
2: Yeah, of course. Uh, I, I, Thierry has never been Thierry. Somebody who is respected and admired, but not very much liked. Right. Whereas Zizou, everybody loves Zizou, or almost right. everybody loves Zizou. Platini, everybody loves, well, the player, not the administrator. Right. Uh, or, or, or Gires, or Turan, people have got a, you know, people right. love them, or, or Desailly, or any of the heroes of, of of 1998. People love Emmanuel Petit, and you can carry on like that. Um, even, you know, N'Golo Conte, for example, is absolutely adored in, in France. Uh, but... Terry, no, you know he's he's a bit aloof. There's you know, a, there's, there's
0: it, always been. A, it's funny because Zidane had, Henri had maybe an aloofness, but Zidane was unknowable. I think there's a slight difference there. If that makes sense. And it was easy. Yes,
2: but but yeah. Zizou has got this. And, and the I agree with you. I agree yeah. with you. There's a difference. This yeah. inscrutability of yes. of Zizou. Yes. But you know, Zizou has also got this smile.
0: Yes, <laughs> absolutely.
2: Which is just like it makes you melt.
0: Basically.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, he's a charmer.
2: <laughs> and and uh, he's a charmer, and also he's somebody. I mean, who has done so much? Um, I mean, he's one. Yes. He's at the apex yes. of our game. I mean, it's between him and Platini as our greatest ever player.
0: Right, right, absolutely. And
2: and um, and also, I suppose there is something poetic in 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 Zizou's game, which is Zizou's game is poetic. Thierry's game is balletic. It's not the, quite the same.
0: Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> This is this is why we got Filippo claremont Bonner. This is the best. <laughs> like, what a beautiful piece of writing. Um, Philippe, can I just, uh, before, and um, before, we, we, we should be wrapping up because obviously we've taken a lot of your time already, but one last thing I do want to ask, one last thing. In 1998, we had this whole conversation about what this multicultural team meant for French society. Uh-huh. 2018 now, and you know politically, things have gone in a very different directions. so it almost feels like Maybe that was a false dawn, but we shouldn't have expected more in retrospect. Mm -hmm. How are people feeling about the team now? Is it just a good football team and it doesn't mean much to have this multicultural side, or is there something more to it than that?
2: I don't think we have the same vibe. Right. Uh, I think you have that vibe with Belgium completely, utterly. Right. Um, Brussels is a fabulous place to be in at the moment. Mm. Um, Perhaps as well, because the Belgian is even more diverse right. and then it was just crazy. Actually, when you look at it, it's just amazing. Yeah. extraordinary. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, um, and, and, and I don't think that's necessarily the case, um, for France. I mean, I, I think we've gone past that in a yes, way.
0: Yes. 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 Well, like um, and, and,
2: uh, I think people have gone past because it's part, it's, it's an illusion but i i i I would i would argue that it is a very positive illusion and that you should make the most of it just like people should make the most of what's happening around the england team at the moment you should really love it uh, cherish it um milk it for what it's worth Mm. because it might not be so great afterwards but at least you know have a good time guys and Mm. May this help, you know, uh, everybody in the future that it can. If we can achieve it for football, we can achieve it for something else, and that's that's the thing. And I, I think I might surprise you, Moussa, but I think this, this France team is less diverse than the one
0: 1998. Yes, actually, yes, I think in terms of the variety, yeah, yeah in terms of the range, because of, yeah, for yeah,
2: example, yeah. we, you know, there's. You know, you had Jolkaev, the Armenian.
0: We had a Basque uh, as well. We had Liz Arasi, we My had man had Liz Yes, yes. Uh,
2: we had Deschamps is a Basque as well. Don't forget yep. that. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, we, we had New Caledonia with Christian Carambeau. Yes. We, mm-hmm. we had the Italian uh, as well, uh, background, with Vincent Candela. Uh, oh, we had yes. the Breton with Stéphane Guivarche. Mm. It's like, and, and you yeah. had, of course, the African, you know, or, or you know, Patrick Vieira from Senegal, and, yes. and and you could carry on like that. And you had Zizou, who was a Kabyle from Algeria. It was like Las an international Bay. flight. So that It, last it was year incredibly. Well. Yeah. It's like, wow. What? Oh, and you also had in 1998 you had the Portuguese huge community in France with Robert Pires. So ah. it's it's uh, it's it's not quite the same thing, but it hasn't had the electrifying effect yet that. The Black Blombourg generation of '98 had, and um, so maybe things will change if if France goes past Belgium yes, and yes, goes yes. past Croatia or England in the final. It's possible, but I think we're more looking at this team as being a football team that a representative of a new France.
0: Right.
2: Whereas the Belgians, I think we are looking at the representatives. I don't. I think of a new Belgium, but of the true Belgium that I love so much. And and we're seeing that Croatia is very much old Croatia. And, and England is very much a kind of New England that people feel very comfortable about.
0: Yeah, and, and that's and that is encouraging, given our political standpoints. Oh, I, can, I can't if,
2: tell you, you know, yeah. being here, It's um, I mean, I'm in London at the moment, and I'm just loving the fact that people who in the past would have had some qualms about supporting England... Yeah. Genuinely don't have a problem at all. And that when the Conservatives or whoever actually, or on, let's not, yeah. not talk about UKIP, yeah. try to say, oh, come on, England, everybody goes.
0: <laughs> yes, oh, yeah. I like that. It's I our like
2: England. It. Yeah. It's our England. Well, Philippe. Let's, uh, let's enjoy it while we can. Yes, exactly, sure. exactly.
0: Well, listen, we won't keep you any longer um, because we were <laughs> not expecting to have you for so long, the great man, Russia oh. about Russia. Uh, but Philippe, I'd just like to say a huge thank you for joining our podcast because. Um, you know we've done this World Cup series and to have you here is really kind of um, rounding off really well and I'm sure Michael feels the same way thanks for
1: joining us Philippe it's a pleasure well
2: thank you very much for having me guys and uh, have a good uh, last three games because the fourth one we don't want to talk about
0: (laughs) (laughs) and that brings us to the end of another episode of the Robona podcast Michael thank you so much for joining us always a pleasure Thank you all for listening. Please follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, the same handle in all three cases, at Mag. Please subscribe to us on iTunes, rate and review if you feel so daring. Please recommend us to a friend, to an enemy, why not, to a family member. And we will be joining you again for one last episode of this World Cup series. Thank you so much for following it, either before or after the final. So please tune in and check us out.